there. Welcome to the Love to Learn podcast. My name is Laura. I'll be your host. At Love to Learn, you can expect to hear from passionate educators who are dedicated to the art and craft of teaching. You'll hear from teachers in the trenches, instructional coaches, administrators, and innovators and experts in the field of education. Teaching is one of the most difficult and rewarding professions on the planet. It's my hope that through our shared stories, you'll come away inspired and refreshed because every day is a great day to learn something new. Hello there. Welcome to the Love to Learn podcast. For today's interview, I am going to interview Katie Pilcher. Katie is an International Baccalaureate Coordinator and Instructional Coach at Park Avenue Elementary in Des Moines. Prior to this position, Katie taught one year as a third grade teacher and eight years as a second grade teacher at Greenwood Elementary in Des Moines. Kind of a fun fact about how Katie and I know each other is that Katie and I both graduated from the same high school. Katie's mom, Mary, was my sixth grade teacher, and I may say a little bit more of that later in the show. And Katie's mom and my mom are pretty much best friends. So I'm really excited to interview you today, Katie, and let's get started. Um, first of all, I'd like to start off with the, what I call the P's and Q's of the interview. This is where, Katie, I want you to answer um, this question. I want you to tell us something personal about yourself, something about yourself professionally, and talk a little bit about something that you are passionate about. And the Q part comes in where I may interject some questions for you depending on your answer. So go ahead, Katie. Okay, great. Uh, Thanks for having me here. Uh, I'm going to start with the professional piece. Um, As you said, I I taught for nine years. Uh, It was actually my second, possibly even third career, you could say. I was um, a program director for an adult refugee outreach service for several years. Um, I also stayed at home with my sons. So I've coming with and through college and all that, I certainly waited tables and did everything else you could possibly do to make money. So I feel like I come with a varied background. It wasn't just straight out of college to teaching. Um, I am going back to school in January. I have my master's degree in elementary education, but I'm going back to school in January to start work on my administration degree. And so basically, I think professionally, I just love a challenge. I love to keep learning. I just need to. And then that ties in with the whole personal piece um, to balance work and learning that I do in the educational sense. I like to challenge myself um, in my personal life uh, with different physical activities. Um, I'm a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo. I like to run. So I kind of like to push myself out of my comfort zone. Um, And I always am looking for ways to kind of stretch myself. Okay, I got two peas in. (laughs) That's, that's pretty awesome. I did see your pictures yesterday of you breaking 50 boards, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That is so awesome to keep challenging yourself. You're kind of inspiring that way to me and I'm sure many other people. Um, So I think you kind of did tie in uh, something personal, professional and your passions. Um, 
So I think we'll move on because I know you have a lot of great information to share and you warned me that you really like to talk, so which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I do this as well. <laughs> so we'll see how this plays out. Um, anyway, um, what I'd like you to do for us, um, I think is to start off here, can you kind of describe the setting in which you coach to kind of give us a picture of that setting and then we'll kind of go from there. Sure. And I'll try not to get into too much detail about it, but, uh, so my school is part of the um, Des Moines public school system. We have, uh, I believe we're at 38 elementary schools right now in the district. And all of the schools have instructional coaches of some variety. Our school is a little bit different because we are part of the International Baccalaureate Program. There are five elementary schools in Des Moines that are part of the International Baccalaureate Program. So my position is International Baccalaureate Coordinator and then I'm also an instructional coach, which in, in many ways, the lines get blurred between the, the IB coordinator position and instructional coach. So um, did you want me to go into detail about what it is that I do with the teachers or is that good um, enough for there? Um, that's good enough, I think, for now, because I think some of the other questions I kind of want to ask you, I think we'll let you get into that a little bit. Um, as you know, Katie, this is my first year as an instructional coach. And it is a big switch stepping out of the classroom and into that role. Um, I like to describe it to people as a very organic type of job when they ask me what it is I do. And since I'm really new at it, it's hard for me to answer that question very well. So kind of the thing I want to talk about next with you, um, as you think back to your first year as a coach, um, can you kind of tell a little bit about, I call it aha moments or just things that kind of maybe opened your eyes um, as you stepped out of the classroom as a classroom teacher or anything you'd like to share that you kind of recall from the beginning of that coaching journey? Sure. Well, the first thing is it's, it's a real shift. When you go from being in charge of 25 children and you've got the relationships with them and it's kind of like your own little universe when you're teaching then you go to where you're working with adults and and they are the ones in their own little universe and sometimes kind of want to keep it that way it's it's a real shift um i i sometimes say that kids are a little bit easier to deal with than adults but yes, <laughs> but it might be, be just <laughs> it might be just because you know they see us as the person in charge and and they have to do what we're doing. Adults don't necessarily see that way, which is completely understandable. Uh, what I learned quickly was that I had to change my mindset of, you know, I'm not the one in charge and control, so to speak. And I need to uh, be open to listening to others. Uh, but then the biggest, biggest piece of all for me was uh, building the relationships with the teachers. I went from one school to another. I did not know any of the staff when I moved to my new school. So it was a matter of being the new kid on the block, but also um, having a position um, in which people were looking to me for guidance, and yet we didn't know each other that well. So it's right. it's crucial. Yeah, You've got I mean, to – you're in the same position? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, definitely. I went from a school where I knew all the staff to a brand new um, building, which I think is, is, you know, there's definitely a good rationale for doing that with um, when they're moving people into a coaching position. But it is it is challenging to be that new kid on the block and then also be the person um, who is expected to have um, answers and guidance and support. It's definitely challenging, but in a good way, I think. Yeah, and I, I think especially for you to keep in mind that the uh, the first year, you know, there are times when you feel alone and you, again, just feel like you don't necessarily fit in. I'm sure people are kind, but it's not it's not the same as, you know, those collegial relationships you've had with people for years when you're teaching together. It's it's a it's a definite shift in the way they view you as well. Um, but over the years, I, I feel like I've really developed these relationships and, and the trust is, is getting there. It's, I mean, it's actually, that is the most important thing is to have that trust. And I do feel like this year I'm, I, I have that with the staff. And you have been at um, coaching in that same school for, go, this is the beginning of your fourth year. Is that correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I bet that really has evolved and deepened all those relationships and connections as that time has gone on. And that kind of leads me to the next thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, Can you kind of explain how your roadmap or your plans for your first year of coaching kind of you kind of already alluded to it a little bit, just talking about having that emphasis beyond developing those relationships. Can you kind of describe how um, how your coaching or those relationships and connections and supports have evolved or changed in subsequent years as you've um, made those connections with the teachers. Um, hopefully that's a specific enough question for you to, oh, to kind of yeah. dive into. Yeah. So as I said before, I definitely had to work on the relationships. Uh, something else in the first year, uh, our school was, working on what is called a self-study in the IB, the International Baccalaureate Program. And that's a a very laborious task of uh, compiling documents and and having meetings to basically put the microscope microscope on our school to say, are we evolving as as an IB school? And I was the one responsible for doing all that. So it's, you know, 100 pages of of documentation I had to fill out. So I had the real laser focus on that this year, that, that first year, that was my focus. And so I found myself being uh, just very, I, I guess just to use the word focus again, focused on that task and not as much on helping out individuals and their needs. I was mm-hmm. looking more at the big picture of the school of what we needed, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And and I, I have no problem with that. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty and all. But in reflecting on that, I saw that I had to um, work more with the teachers, uh, differentiating for them so that I'm not just saying, well, as a school, we all need to do this. Right, Instead, right. this year, my roadmap is next week, I am spending the entire week with individual meetings with teachers finding out about their own personal journey with IB, with um, with the standards, with everything else to say, where are you? Where can we take you? How can I support you? Mm-hmm. So that's my big, big change this year is just really 
what I did with students, you know, differentiating for them. Right, right. There is such an analogy there or like a parallel. I have thought that as well. Yeah. So there? no. Okay, yeah, I'm good. still here. I, I was I'm, just, I'm worried about our Wi-Fi connection no, here. This I was is just my guinea pig trial. <laughs> yeah, and and but I, I think it's something that you know you can't you can't know everything and you can't learn everything in in one day or one year. But I think that was a huge thing for me to, kind of put on my teacher glasses, and um, and think, I understood as teacher that that students don't all come with the same skills and they don't come with the same personalities and strengths. And, and I tried my best to differentiate. I mean, sometimes I felt like at a one room schoolhouse, you know, just in that one classroom. And, and I'm starting to try to see that with teachers, even though, yes, they should have a college degree and, and a certain amount of background. We're dealing with individuals here. Right. Right. That makes so much sense. And I think it makes a lot of sense what you're saying about um, having that big picture and then also um, keeping in mind those individual needs and differences. I think one of the biggest aha moments for me um, so far, and this is like just a few weeks in, I, I guess, yeah, I guess aha moment would be the accurate way to describe it is just I feel like you know, when we're classroom teachers, we're just kind of, um, I think, I can't remember the phrase you used initially when you were talking about making that shift, but we're so, that's our little universe, those four walls. And I feel like stepping out of that and um, stepping into the coaching role has kind of, I, I call it lifting the lid off of a school and so much, you know, being able to see that bigger picture so much more and from such a different perspective than just being in a classroom. And so that's been really exciting to me and also a big learning curve to me um, as well. So I don't know if you've kind of found that to be true. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's and it's not something that you can explain to somebody else necessarily outside of the position, because, you know, when you're in your classroom, you there you're making a thousand decisions a day and you're so focused in those four walls that you're not always aware of what's going on outside of your classroom, you know, you can have a certain degree of understanding from, from having professional development with other teachers and meetings, but to be a person who is walking into every classroom and meeting with all the teachers, you get that almost that 30,000 foot view that others don't necessarily get. Absolutely. And I, I've really appreciated having that perspective at this point in my in my career. It's been really, really eye-opening in a really good way. Um, okay, let me move on to, um, and again, some of the things that we've already talked about have kind of addressed this, but as you, as you think about someone being a new coach, like me, for example, um, what are some of the skills that you think are most critical? And what skills do you think over these four years or three years going into the fourth, have you honed or developed as a coach? Um, here, I apologize, Laura, give me two seconds. Okay, so you said that we know each other. So you know that I have a brother who lives here in town. And he was right. over at my house yep. last night and left something here. And he's texting me asking if he can come over right now. And I'm, I'm saying, no, That's fine. You, you'll have to wait. <laughs> it is it is very nice having family in town, though. Yeah, I bet. Okay, so I, I was listening. It just, uh, you were saying, um, 
Yeah, I can totally the, repeat the, it. No worries. No, don't repeat it. I'll just oh, do okay. the, just do the just do the quick quick highlight. Yeah, it's critical skills for a new coach. Right. And what okay. skills you've kind of developed as yeah. over those years of coaching? So, I think the thing is, you can't. As I said before, you can't know everything, and you have teachers who are looking at you to um, answer a lot of questions. Uh, the, the the great skill to have is to be able to say, look. You know, maybe I don't know that. Maybe some things you already do know. Perfect. But the things you don't know, go ahead, own up to it. But I will find the answer. So you have to be really adept at being able to find the answer, whether it's something that um, you find online or through, um, you know, if you have district coordinators um, helping you out, that, again, you're just that clearinghouse. Teachers don't have all that time to look for the information that you as a coach might have. Um so I think that is a, a key role. You should be able to to be that clearinghouse. Um, you know, it, I think it also depends. I don't know, Laura, do you work with groups of teachers like in their professional learning communities or just individually? Um, that, I think that I will be able to do that, to, to do both of those things. Again, this is, it's so new for me um, starting out and I'm in a building that actually this is their first year having a full-time coach. They, they had a coach that was assigned to their building um, approximately one day a week over mm. the past school year. And that was their first introduction to coaching. But just because of, of the way that his time was allocated, he wasn't there all the time. And so they're kind of used to the idea of having a coach, but to have me there all times, all the time is different. So that's the um, principal and I are kind of tweaking that and trying to figure out how that's exactly going to look for our setting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I could see that. I don't know how you could coach one day a week. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that I, I think it was challenging. And I think they really, you know, benefited from and appreciated him when he was there. It's just yeah. that was he wasn't he wasn't there very often. So that right. limited, you know, what what he was able to support. Well, and the reason I ask is that um, in my capacity, I work with individual teachers, but I also facilitate the professional learning communities. So that means that um, when they have that PLC time, that collaboration time, they come to my office or we have a meeting space there and I facilitate those group collaboration times. Um, and is that is that um, by subject area content? Is that by grade level or does it is it all of that? Well, both. So we have uh, three sections of, of each grade. And so the teams come in, you know, the fifth grade team will come in um, on Monday morning. And we uh, have a, a PLC time for our IB work tied into our literacy work. And then there's a separate collabora collaboration time for math. And with that, I only work with two grade levels. But for the IB and literacy, I work with all six, K through five. So I am meeting um, every day of the week sometimes multiple times. And, and the, the reason I brought that up is that one of the things, one of the skills needed was uh, the skill of mediation because right. I you have these people working together and sometimes you have a dream team, they work well together, they listen to each other, they share. And then sometimes 
you have people together who cannot stand each other. Uh, that right. is exhausting. It's really difficult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we and we all know that that exists in uh, schools. It exists in in any workplace, really. Right. So yeah, definitely. So do you have any great solutions for that? <laughs> tips? Well, I, I'm going to tell you that th I, I've had some bumpy, bumpy spots on the road for sure. I, I mean, I, I'm sorry to say that there was one meeting in which two teachers were yelling at each other, which I find completely unprofessional, but they, for some reason, had a lot of pent up anger and it was my position to be the voice of reason and to talk them both down. Um, and, and it goes, it goes back to the relationship and trust piece. Sure. Some of the teachers who were very difficult to deal with at first, I find I have no problems with them now. And it meant for me that I had to, um, I had to put my ego aside. I had to realize that it wasn't necessarily personally directed at me. I might be on the receiving end of it, but, but it maybe wasn't necessarily about me. And if it was, I still had to take my ego out of it and think, well, okay, so you don't like how I'm doing things. Um, you know, you might just have to deal with that or, you know, we might have to meet with the principal and sort that out. But, um, you know, if, if your mindset is still that of, of a, a fragile high schooler, you know, who's offended by everything somebody else says, you're going to have a rough time of it. You oh, kind of have sure. to, yeah. <laughs> you have to thicken yeah. your skin and just move on. Exactly. Well, this is kind of a really good segue into another question that I wanted to ask you. Um, I think it's a good segue anyway, um, because again, I'm, and this could be, this could have been completely different in your situation. But like I said, I'm in a building where this is the first year they've actually had a full-time coach. And I think they're still trying to figure out, as am I, um, what exactly does a coach do? So my question is, um, what have you done to help the teachers in your building understand what your role is and what, what a coach, what the purpose is, what you can do to support them? How have you kind of facilitated that? Well, I think we're kind of coming from different places because it is new to your staff. We've had right. coaches in our district for years and years now. Sure. Uh, that so there's a difference. Yeah. yeah, it really does. Because, you know, in a, in a way, you can't blame the teachers for thinking, what on earth do you do? Oh, okay. for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Not at but, all. But, and, and I think, I think it just depends on the teacher uh, where they see the value added. Um, in having a coach, you do kind of have to, to sell yourself to a certain degree and, mm -hmm. and make, make them see that you are a valuable part of the team. And to me, that's a matter of finding out what they need individually, what supports mm -hmm. you can give them. It's also a matter of, in our district, because it's such a big district, there are so many different initiatives being brought in. I am the the filter I'm the I'm the one bringing that to the school and talking to the teachers about it and so I do believe that they see the value in having someone explain this you know teachers are so irritated by new initiatives Definitely. that I'm there to explain it and walk them through that that they see that it's not so frightening because I'm talking to them in the meetings about it I'm in their classrooms helping them 
You know, last year we had a huge uh, piece on having our learning targets posted, which doesn't sound that cumbersome, but at the same time for some teachers, it was just mind blowing for them. Mm -hmm. And so we had to take baby steps and I I did, you know, modeling and and co-teaching and and then when they would see me do it, they'd say, oh, okay, well, I guess it's not as bad as I thought. Right. You know, so it's, and they, I think they too have to understand that it's not just a matter of this is how I spend my entire day. Each day looks a little bit different. And you so can't give your, oh, well, I was going to say too, I'll, yeah, hold on. But, uh, but you can't give yourself all to one teacher or all to one grade level. And some right. of them might expect that. And you've got to make them understand I'm here for everybody. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All these things. I'm taking lots of good mental notes from all of this. Believe me, because I appreciate it. Um, I did want to ask you, and I, you knew I was going to ask this, knowing that every single day of your job probably looks kind of different. Um, but could you give us, um, some examples of some of the things that you do as a coach, um, from day to day or throughout your week or however you think it makes best sense to describe that? Sure. Well, as I mentioned before, I am uh, the facilitator for all of our PLCs that involve IB and literacy. And then I also do math for kindergarten and first grade. So I am there at the meetings. I am bringing information to the teachers from the district. We work together as a team to plan. Um, It is not one of those things, though, where I give them lesson plans and they walk away, which was a bit of, some people had a little bit of consternation with that because apparently there was a coach who did give out lesson plans, which Mm. I I quickly said, that's not what I'm here to do. You can write your own, but we're doing this together. You know, that Mm -hmm. there's always room for personal um, tweaking and one second grade classroom does not look just like the other one. At the same time, we still have the same standards, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So uh, any given day, I might, I will probably have two meetings that are a little over an hour long. Um, sometimes I have uh, procedural office work that I'm answering emails um, and, and compiling things. I run our professional development for our early out Wednesdays um, in the building. So I lead the, the staff meetings. I get into individual classrooms, and that is where I, as I spoke earlier about finding out individual needs, that's where I find out from teachers, what do you need me to do? Mm -hmm. Um, I had a new third grade teacher last year who was really struggling with behavior management, and I just started off by observing. I did not step in at all, which, let me tell you, was so difficult. Oh, I'm sure. (laughs) I just observed, and I took just, you know, observational, anecdotal data And then we talked about it and then she talked about things she felt she could improve. I told her some ideas I had. One of the tricky things of coaching for me is that I kind of go from zero to 60 in two seconds in terms of like ideas. Right. I move quickly. I talk fast and I tend to just like almost run over people like a steamroller sometimes. And I don't mean to, Mm -hmm. I just, or I see something that needs to be done, and I'm, my first thought is, well, just do this. Why can't you just do this? Yeah, I bet that is challenging because kind of the, the purpose is to try to, to, to inspire some self-reflection on their part 
to see if they can come to some of those conclusions on their own. So that's exactly balance. Exactly. So it's just my, my days and weeks are just a combination of meeting um, in the PLCs, getting into classrooms, um, and then doing my whatever office work I have. And I get to do kindergarten lunch duty. So oh boy. I have that going for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a fun time. <laughs> oh, yes, especially this time of year. Right, yes. Learning those routines for those little people is, is uh, challenging to say the least. Um, question I have about that, about what you've just described. Um, do you work pretty closely with uh, the principal in your building on, um, I don't know, the kind of the PLC process or planning that out or the staff development or are you, you know, what, what kind of a relationship or a partnership do you have there? Well, she and I are very like-minded um, in our views of education, she gives me a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. I, the PLCs I am in charge of and I run, she will stop by from time to time. Um, especially if, you know, I have those volatile moments. If I might mention, you might want to swing by next time. Mm -hmm. Just, (laughs) just show your face. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But for the most part, the PLCs, you know, I'm on my own there. And I touch base with her to a certain degree on that, but she has so many other things to deal with and worry about. Um, And then as far as the the staff development, our professional development on Wednesdays, generally what happens is she and I will look at the calendar and and talk about the days that we have available because some are district directed. Mm We've gotten to where they're just mostly school directed. I think once a month they get a teacher directed day. Uh, we so we look at the calendar. We talk about uh, our focus, what we feel that you know whatever the initiative is, and and what we see our staff needing to work on. Then from there, I go back to my office and I and I put it together. Um, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to do a mix of not just sit and get you know getting right. them working collaboratively and, and making sure too, that it's something that they can walk away thinking, all right, I can use this. Right. Well, that could be the topic of a future podcast. So keep that in mind. Okay, for sure. That's, that's, I just feel like that is, um, you know, such an important thing, um, to make that staff meeting time or any meeting time that we're asking teachers to attend, to make it meaningful, because we all know how, how, uh, I don't know, frustrating, I guess, is the first word that comes to mind. It is to sit through something that doesn't seem to be applicable. Um, But yet there is that information that needs to get out to everyone. So finding that balance. So that definitely, I have my wheels turn all the time about that particular topic. Um, So yeah, that may be, I may be calling upon you to talk about that in more detail another time. Um, And okay, I'm going to move on to the next question, um, which kind of a big one, um, but I'm interested in your thoughts about some of the most important ways that you feel that schools, teachers, and students are impacted by having an instructional coach. Because, you know, you've been doing it for quite a while in your district, and your district has, but there's a lot of districts where this is still a pretty new thing. So what are your thoughts about that? Well, and I I do see that it is a, a shift for some people to see 
as I said before, what is the value added? Where we are in education these days, 2017, it's not that time of you go in, you shut your door, you do whatever you want. We have the common core. We are all beholden to these standards, which in many ways are very helpful because we can then say that across the board, an education in Des Moines is going to be similar to an education in Glenwood. I I feel that having an instructional coach there to facilitate that shift um, makes a huge difference because everyone has their own power of interpretation and perspective. And when you have, um, you know, you have somebody who is coming from, you know, they work with other coaches because that's another thing that I do is that, for example, tomorrow I have an all day meeting with coaches so that we are coming and we are, we know how to help uh, the teachers to look at standards and pick them apart and make sure that we are getting to mastery on all of that. Um, it, It makes it makes it easier for the teachers to then dive into that work and also see that they can't just have the the week on pirates and the week on, you know, underwater sea creatures that, right. you know, as much as that might be amusing and fun, we have all of these standards that we are um, obligated to meet. Right. Uh, so I think the biggest thing for me is, a coach should be seen as someone who helps teachers to have the skills and tools so that they're teaching, but more specifically, the students learning is more effective so that you can look at the data and say, you know, I see, you know, the majority of the class really struggled on this. What does this tell me? And you can do that by yourself, but I think working in a vacuum as you do as a classroom teacher, you don't always consider other perspectives and think of other things. If you're working with your grade level team and you're working with your coach, you can start to see, oh yeah, it's not just that the kids don't get it. Mm-hmm. And it's that whole thing of like, uh, there's, I can't remember the exact quotas, but it's basically, if the students are not learning the way you're teaching, then maybe you have to change the way you're teaching. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I think that you've, you've made it like, I, I love the way that you made that point because to me, it's all about and I guess I would use the word just making, helping teachers be a lot more strategic in the decisions they make in the classroom and um, basing those decisions on what the data shows and how to dig into that and how to to adjust instruction accordingly. And it doesn't mean that instruction has to be boring, far from it, but making instruction engaging and focused and strategic and doing that um, in a way in which you're collaborating with other teachers to make those decisions and you're learning from other teachers and you're becoming more self-reflective to me, that's kind of, that's kind of the gist of it. Oh, absolutely. You said it perfectly. And it's something that I, on our pre-service days, uh, this, before we started school, we had a couple of days that we had a morning and then a full day of work time together as a staff. And I, I'm telling you at one point I just had goosebumps because I heard so many teachers say, I feel like we are being so intentional right now. We are being purposeful in how we're making our plans and how we're going to guide the learning. Because the truth of the matter is you can have the best lesson in the world. 
you can be this great teacher, but if the students don't learn, what is the point? Right. And you have to step back and say, what do they already know? What do they need to know? Here is what I'm going to explicitly teach. This is where I'm being so intentional. Right. I love that word intentional. We've been talking a lot in our building, kind of with the building leaders and um, the principal and I, exactly about teaching with intention. And I think about all the years that I taught, and I I definitely tried to be intentional, but you know, true statement, confession here, sometimes I was winging it now and then, you know, or, Mm -hmm. you know, flying without, without a clear direction, hopefully not for a long period of time. But, um, you know, we've all had those moments and where that happens or we get derailed a little bit. And it just feels so much better as a teacher to know that, to know that you're being intentional and that you are, just being really specific and targeted in in how you're teaching you just feel better as a professional when you have that in place solidly and it sounds like from um, the teachers in your building making those comments that you heard you know I, I would say that a large part of that is is due to the support of them having a coach and focusing on collaboration and so you know I think that really does speak to the value of having a coach there to support because you know, like it or not, elementary principals are busy. And as mm-hmm. much as they would like to support teachers in the way that coaches can, they just simply cannot do that to the extent that coaches can. And the fact that they're in that evaluator role kind of makes, you know, it, it throws a different dynamic in there. And so that's what I love about the concept of having coaches in the building is I feel like the coach can come alongside a teacher and they are not the ones that are evaluating the teacher. They are simply there to support and guide um, and facilitate those connections between teachers, which I think is wonderful. Yeah. And I, I do think that um, because we've had this going on for a while that they do see the benefit of it. And um, they, they're definitely seeing that uh, when we are more intentional, that we are then able to, when we look at the data, say, I can draw a line from this to this. I can see the correlation between what I did here and what the students know. Whereas, yeah. like you said, there were definitely times when I was teaching on the fly and, you know, I can be very entertaining for second graders, but <laughs> is that is that necessarily what they need in order to learn? Right. Are they there to be entertained or are they there to learn? Right, yep, it's so true, so true. Um, well, probably we should wrap this up here in a few minutes, though. It's been lovely to talk to you. I love it. I'm one of those teacher nerds that could probably think and talk about teaching most of my waking hours. Yeah, and I bet you are as well. Yep, same. Um, and it's great that I'm married of, to somebody who is also an instructional coach and IB coordinator because we talk shop all the time. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that Tim was also in that <laughs> yeah, role. So that, yep, and is yep. he more, is he at the secondary level? Though? He's in the middle he's school, yeah. Middle yep. school, yeah. Oh, that's really great. So you you are like living it at home, living it at work. That's, that's right. That's awesome. Um, okay, you've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but this is like for you to just hone in and be intentionally focused, Katie, on any words of wisdom or any advice you have for new coaches. If you were just going to say one thing for them to be mindful about. Well, I, I mentioned it before of it, it can sometimes be a lonely position. Mm-hmm. You know, don't take things personally. Um, 
think about the relationships and, and, and building trust. Yeah. I think eventually the other things fall into place. Yeah. And I've heard that from, um, in our district, some of the coaching is newer. I think that they've, they've been having coaches in the buildings for about four years, but they're just rolling out more and more each year. And the coaches that have been doing it for a few years would reiterate that. And that's kind of what they're telling those of us that are new this year is to focus on the relationships. Um, and from there, everything else will evolve in a good positive way. All right. Couple more things. Um, since this, since I call this the Love to Learn podcast, I am going to kind of have this thing at the end where I ask everyone I interview, what is something new that you've learned recently? And that can be anything, does not have to be related to your job or your profession. And also, what is something that you would like to learn more about or a skill you'd like to learn? Again, doesn't have to be education related and go. Well, the something I've learned recently, I was sharing with some friends last night. Uh, my husband and I took a trip to France and, this summer, and um, I learned so much about winemaking that I did not know before. I mean, wow. it, it seems like a no-brainer, but it's, it's such a complex um, system of, of how they do things. I, I just, I mean, here's something that I could talk about for hours. I was just fascinated that the, the tour guides we met and the, the other people who won, run the wine houses were just so knowledgeable and so passionate about what they do. I was just enthralled. I, I just, I would have happily interviewed them for a podcast if I could. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's what I love about learning and, and why I'm, I think I'm so passionate about learning and, and education in general is that there is so much cool stuff out there to learn about, right? And yeah. even at our age, huh, huh, cough, cough, yeah. um, <laughs> um, we still can continue to be fascinated and drawn in by learning a, something new. So I love that. And you can also learn from people who are not necessarily educators. I mean, here are are people who's, you know, they've got dirt under their fingernails. And I thought, you are so insanely smart and you have so much knowledge in your brain. You know, you just have to be willing to learn from from everyone. That is that's awesome. That's beautiful. I mean, that is. Yeah, that is amazing. You're, You're so right on that. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so, and then you also ask, what, yeah. what am I going to, what am I, well, as I, as I mentioned uh, earlier, I am, I, even though I, are, I have a master's degree, I am going back to school in January at Drake here in Des Moines where I received my master's and I'm going to work on my admin degree. That is fantastic. I did not know that until you said that earlier. Oh, and okay. I, and I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad yeah. you brought it up because then, because at the time I, I thought I'm going to follow up and ask something about that. And then it's, I spaced that already. Uh, question, um, was that something that you, you always kind of wanted to do or no. has the coaching no. role kind of inspired <laughs> that? Okay. Tell me more about that. Cause I, well, <laughs> first of all, I will say that I never wanted to be a teacher. And you know this from being a teacher's daughter. And everybody would say, of course, you're going to be a teacher like your mom. And I would think, oh, no way. I am not. (laughs) And I avoided it for years. I denied it. (laughs) And so then I got into teaching and I said, there's no way I am ever going to do anything administrative. (laughs) And of course, my mother told me that I was going to. My mother who always tells me the things I'm going to do. And I say, no, I won't. And then I do. 
That Mary is pretty wise. You got to give it to <laughs> she her. She's sure so is. I, it, it was getting into the coaching that, at, at, you know, I'm still a little bit hesitant because I see everything that my principal has to do. And right. let me tell you, it's kind of a thankless job. It's very stressful. It's, it's, it's intense. You're not only dealing with, you're dealing with students, teachers, parents, district officials, uh, community members. It is just an onslaught. It is. And, and so many of the interactions are not necessarily pleasant. Right. So we shall see. But it can be so impactful. And it's the reason I wanted to ask you about that is because I am, I'm similar in that I, I kind of did want to be a teacher probably from, probably from high school on pretty, pretty solidly, but always I will never be an administrator. I have no interest whatsoever. And um, I was part of a leadership academy in our district last year, which kind of got me kind of thinking, maybe, maybe. And then rolling into the coaching, it's kind of a maybe hanging out there for me, which is surprising because I was always an adamant, no way. I'll leave that to someone else. So I will be really anxious to hear about your journey with that. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I might end up pushing you. (laughs) Yes, yes, we can inspire each other. Well, I appreciate this interview so much, Katie. Um, It was wonderful to reconnect with you because even though we know each other, we definitely have not spoken to each other for a long time. So it's great to do that in this format. So thank you so much for joining the Love to Learn podcast. And um, maybe we we will have you on in a future episode. So thank you so much. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Laura. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's Love to Learn podcast. You can find me at lauralovestolearn.com, on Facebook at Laura Loves to Learn, on Instagram at Laura Loves to Learn, and on Twitter. My handle on Twitter is LearnLaura. I would love to connect with you. And again, I thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.